Hi, this is Rahman Sheikh. Welcome to Fortnightly Railway Transportation Systems Podcast. I am the host and railway systems specialist working in this industry for 24 years and counting. This podcast is primarily focused on railway experts who have vast amount of experience and contributed greatly to this amazing industry. This is not a technical seminar but focuses on feel good stories, individual journeys, their success and failures, motivating younger generation to kick start their career in railways and creating a sense of pride for the railway people who devoted their lives on the most environment friendly public transportation. Our guest for this fortnight is James Dalton, commercialization manager at Jamaica. James started his professional career as a mechanical engineer in Bradken, working in the design office of the Railway Equipment Group, and later he worked as a research and development engineer in Westinghouse Brakes Australia, developing new products and modifying existing products to improve product performance and meet specific customer requirements. James later joined in Cochlear and worked for almost 18 years in various roles like principal engineer project manager surgical technology expert surgical specialist senior product marketing manager and product manager james also works for australian railway historical society as a general manager his most recent experience is the management of railway archives the most comprehensive private archive of the railway related information in australia the goal of the archive is to expand the use of these historically important archives to members and commercial clients and to support the objectives of the society hi james welcome to railway transportation systems podcast thank you for joining and agreeing to spend some time by sharing your insights with us especially about australian railway historical society hi raman thank you it's uh, great to be with you james apart from my intro can you tell us your story especially highlighting australian railway historical society yeah i've interested in railways since uh, a young age and uh, by the time i'd finished primary school i wanted to be a railway engineer and uh so my goal throughout high school was to complete engineering degree and i did work experience at clyde engineering which was a company that um built locomotives under license from general motors and that was an experience although it was only 2 weeks it really confirmed that doing a a degree in mechanical engineering was what i wanted to do so i completed a degree and during the holidays i worked for bradken who were initially in in sydney and then they moved up to newcastle and there i was uh, I got experience and exposure to the design and development of um cast steel components such as bogies and draw gear and uh those kind of things that they manufactured. So I was there for about a year. I had to move back to Sydney because uh, I got married and um and then I worked at Westinghouse Brakes and I'm very grateful for the experience in working with both of those uh companies because it was really the sunset for that era of railway supply in Australia where you know things were manufactured under license but there was still design done it was still done on a drawing board it was you know the end of a more than a century of railway industry in Australia yeah and how about Australian Railway Historical Society yeah well so after that time i spent some time in the medical device industry and then that was really while my family grew up and then 
then I decided that I wanted to go back. I had an opportunity to get involved with the society that I knew of quite a while, and uh, but I had an opportunity to get involved. I uh, started to volunteer. I had a position on the board, and then I took a, a role temporarily at the time, but it lasted for a few years managing the archives there, and um, then more recently, um, I became the general manager. So I'm involved there quite heavily now, and that's been the case for the last five years. Great. We're going to discuss a lot about Australian Railway Historical Society in New South Wales. Well, I think you're based in Redfern, correct? That's right. Yes, that's true. So just a quick question. What's the difference between the Australian Railway Historical Society and the other railway things like Hotham Railway, Memories of WAGR Railways, Castledare Miniature Railway? How different are you from these societies? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, we're, uh, we're an independent, not-for-profit organisation that started in 1933, so 90 years this year. Wow. And uh, yeah, it was started really by a group of enthusiasts who wanted to share their knowledge and information that they could obtain about the railways. And of course, this was in, a, in an era when information was a bit harder to obtain. And so by meeting together, uh, they could compare what they'd seen and what information they had uh, acquired through their various networks and, you know, pursue their interest in railways. And and that grew into an organisation that produced a, a magazine from 1937. And then there was similar interest in other states. And so various divisions of the society formed in Queensland, in Victoria, in the ACT, Tasmania, South Australia, Western Australia. And uh, so at one time there, it was represented nationally and they would have um, a, a national council that met. But of course, over the years, other organisations have formed, and particularly with the end of the STEAM era, various preservation groups were established by interested individuals. And in New South Wales in particular, the management at the time decided that they wouldn't look at, they wouldn't pursue preservation of hardware. They were they were going to stick to producing magazines and books and, and keeping an archive. So that was probably a good decision in hindsight because maintaining locomotives, particularly old locomotives, and complying with regulation these days is a very expensive process. And so um, it's quite difficult to stay active in that field, particularly with a volunteer workforce. And now the society in New South Wales has sort of partly gone full circle because some of those other divisions have become quite small and a couple of them have disappeared and so New South Wales is going along quite well and we're trying to sort of build up again and more of a national profile rather than just a state profile which reflects the fact that railways in Australia now are much more of a national enterprise than than state by state as they were up until about 2000. But this, what we've been able to do really is a very large archive of over 1 million photographs, 60,000 drawings, thousands of timetables, documents, a whole lot of information on the, mostly on the government railway systems as they existed. But of course, we continue to collect and acquire material to uh, record operations and so forth that are happening now. So so what happens now, of course, will be history tomorrow. So Agreed. it's important to be maintaining that collection. It's an amazing job. Really appreciate it. Because uh, for railway enthusiasts, people like me, I think it's an amazing place to visit. And I would make time to come and see your place at Redfern. Before I come to your site, I actually went through the website and I saw that you got three types of memberships. Yes. What it includes 
and does the special events you do are that included in that membership yeah so we have a standard membership which includes a subscription to australian railway history and that's the the leading magazine of history of australian railways it comes out every month and as i said before it's been going since 1937 so there's a tremendous body of work that's built up in that time articles cover aspects of railway history in all states and really in any period going back to the very start. So so your membership includes a subscription to that magazine. You can also subscribe to our second monthly magazine, which is Railway Digest, and that's possibly of, of more interest to your listeners who are uh, railway professional, are interested in the railway industry and what's going on. So that's also a very popular product we have and you can add a subscription to Railway Digest to your membership at a discounted rate. And then membership also includes discounts in our bookshop, uh, discounts on our tours and um, the various events that we organise. And yeah, we hope to introduce some more benefits for members in the future as well. Wow, James, that's an amazing job you're doing. I think you got a great professional story and also a great professional hobby because what I observed is probably you're the first person who I have seen who moved or worked between medical and (laughs) rail industry. Yeah, so probably a bit lucky there. uh, What made you change your career path from railways to medical field and back? Uh, Well, the railway, you're quite right. The railways really have been a hobby for me. And 20 years ago or so, I was in the railway industry, but I I felt that um, my prospects were better um, in a different industry. It was in a bit of a decline at that time. And and I think it was a transition from that local industry that I was talking about before to, to a more global industry where, you know, most things were going to be imported. And so I thought I'd like to get into an industry that's a bit more progressive at the time. And, and I was very fortunate to find a job at Cochlear. And that was a great place to work for, for 20 years. And I got to travel a lot and I had a lot of amazing professional experiences there. But when I finished my MBA and uh, I sort of moved from engineering to marketing and uh, after a while doing that, I thought I think it might be time to do something different. So I had a bit of a break and then this opportunity came up. And, uh, and while I I was a bit reluctant to combine work and pleasure as I'd done before. I thought this will be a great opportunity to apply my, you know, my professional skills to an area that I'm passionate about and see if we realize the potential that I think it has because I think we can do a lot more with it. I think we can make a lot more people aware of it and that's something that we need to do to ensure its survival into the future because we've been there 90 years and we really want that to continue into next century hopefully. So uh, the more people that know about it and the more members that we have and the more people who are interested in railways who are involved then the better the organization will be for everyone yeah i agreed i think going back to i think you enjoyed thoroughly both the industries but going back to my favorite industry which is railways i think you actually covered my next question which i want to ask what inspired you to take this particular job you yeah you summarized it so from a guest side as a member, if I took membership, uh, if as a member or as a guest or as even a tourist, yes, what I can see at Australian Railway Historical Society, how else can I get the updates? Well, the apart from the magazines and the members' newsletter, which are all available in both print or digital form, we also have the Australian Transport Archives Facebook site, which is something that we post to regularly and we're building that audience. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like a lot of societies or a lot of uh, hobbies in life, you, you get more out of it if you put more in. And so, you know, you can come to the society and look at our bookshop and you can uh, pursue some research if you want. You make an appointment and you can come into our reading room and look at the photos that we have or the drawings that we have. Or, of course, if you had, if you have time, you can come and volunteer and, and help us out with cataloging or um, writing or documenting or whatever it might be. So there are various ways to get involved and um, we're always looking for new volunteers and particularly volunteers who have some uh, some skills in, uh, you know, with digital skills, computer skills, IT skills, anything that will help with um, the management of information or the presentation of, of the uh, the things that we have. And um, uh, yeah, we're always looking to welcome new members. So Yeah, great. I think many people listening to this would like to volunteer and be a part of this amazing thing you're doing. Typically, if I visit there, so as probably I would be busy for two, three hours, I guess. Uh, yeah, look, we're not a museum as such. I yeah. mean, it depends. Uh, you could probably spend a good hour in the bookshop browsing the books and particularly the large collection of secondhand books that we have on sale there. And we're increasingly putting a lot of our archive collection online. So you could certainly spend many hours browsing through that collection and it will, it will grow. It's about two, 200,000 items on there now on that site, but that will continue to grow as we put more material on there. So I, I guess what I'm saying is that there's not, apart from the bookshop, there's not a huge amount to see in the archives um, unless you make an appointment or you volunteer, but there's certainly more and more we're doing on in the digital domain. Hopefully you get there. So going back to one generic question on your profession, because you're dealing with the history, Australian railway history and archives. And I also see that you are a commercialization manager. Yes. How do you navigate the challenges and risk associated with commercializing the new products or services? Yeah, that was a role that I that I took when I finished at Cochlear and it was a bit of a transition job, which was to work in the space of commercialization of ideas, particularly in the university space, but I guess also anyone who invents something and then wants to wants to commercialize it. And there is a lot more to that process than people think. I, I think they think once they've come up with the idea and perhaps made a prototype, then the next stop is is a million dollars in the bank. They're going to um, sell a lot of those and be very successful. But a lot of the hard work is actually after you've got the idea, because then you have to figure out how you're going to sell it, who you're going to sell it to, you know, which channel it's going to be sold in, and how it's going to be distributed, and all those sorts of considerations that many people don't think about too much. And um, this is often the case with with engineers such as myself who think that you know the fun part of the job is the creating and the designing and the bringing the idea into the real world but as I said there's a lot of work then to actually uh, make money from it and so my uh, that job was around helping people work out a commercialization pathway so trying to understand their customer understanding why their customer might choose their product over what solution they're currently using or what the competitor is offering and it's really important for the customer the the inventor whoever it might be to understand how they're going to uh, navigate that landscape wow customer at the center of the heart. What I listen to you is you are either giving a good service to your customer or giving a good service to the society in the form of Australian Railway Historical Society. Great job. Thank you. James, as a general manager at ARHS, which is Australian Railway Historical Society, how would you describe your typical day, please? 
Yeah, it's usually busy. I start in the morning talking to my staff about what, what's happening, what happened the previous day, what's happening in the current day, and if there's any issues that need urgent attention. Also, keeping them up to date with uh, what I'm doing and um, what might be a hot issue for the day. And then, uh, of course, there's uh, the usual checking out the emails that I need to work on. But I try and set aside some time for the higher level things because really my job is to make sure that we're thinking about not just what's urgent but what's important. And so part of that is building the capability of the society, attracting more members and ensuring that we're, um, you know, the bills are paid and the, the revenue is coming in. So as well as ensuring that our our members are, are satisfied with what we're doing for them. So they're probably the main things. But in a typical day, yes, I'd be working on tasks around um, planning upcoming events or planning. I, I write all the material for the newsletter. Um, I have a couple of very good editors who look after the magazines for me, so I don't have to get too involved with those. But um, I do have to make sure that um, everything is running smoothly. And uh, we're thinking about not just two weeks, two months, but maybe two years ahead as well. Wow, genius. How about... See don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> you brought a great point into this revenue. So I want to ask, how is our Australian Railway Historical Society is funded? Yeah, so we have um, we have no government funding. We're not associated with Sydney Trains or Transport for New South Wales or anything like that. Um, our funding comes from predominantly the sale of the two magazines, in both through subscriptions but also through newsagents. We get some funding from the commercial work that we take on. So we have a number of professional customers in the heritage space that contact us for information about railway stations or locomotives or workshops or, or whatever because we have a lot of that a lot of information pertaining to those and, and we charge customers for that service. And um, we also have revenue from the tours that we run. So we might go away for a weekend. We just went away to Glen Innes and Armadale. We did that in collaboration with the, the Rail Motor Society who operate a fleet of rail motors uh, and we toured around up there. So so the sales of tickets on those tours uh, helps bring in some revenue. And of course, the bookshop and um, the railway books that we sell through the bookshop um, are an important source of revenue. So it's a, it, although it's a not-for-profit, it's essentially a business that, that is running commercial activities to get a to get a surplus. Because if we make a surplus, then we can do more next year. James, uh, as a railway enthusiast, what do you think we can contribute to help you? Well, I think the the biggest contribution that we we would like from people who are listening is to join us. And I think the people who are interested in railways, we would like to be able to say that we represent the majority of those people, that we're serving their needs, and that the more people who are involved, the more opportunity there is for new blood to come in and shape the organisation and help it uh, adapt to the future and enable it to keep going. So we do have we do have some challenges at the moment with meeting the needs of prospective members. So we've got our existing members and I hope that we are doing the activities that they enjoy. But I think there are that people who are not members perhaps are looking for something a bit different and it is in you know in the age of uh, of social media and getting information in real time on your phone you know the the landscape has changed a lot in the last 20 years and so we have to really be you know working hard to make sure we're providing something of great interest to that group of people and bringing them in to the organization so i would say just get involved that would be my uh, appeal 
to people. Yeah, I think people who hear this probably would join. But I think because as the time changes, we are going more towards the digitalization. Yeah. <clears throat> I think the point you brought is also great that you need to change from the normal print to digitalization usage yes. of social media so that it can go beyond Sydney and, and it can spread all the way Australia and out probably worldwide so yes how do you think the australian historical society use the technology and bring the digital transformation play in shaping the future of this society and how do you stay ahead of this emerging trends yeah oh, look i think that's a good question i think the society has been um, reasonably good at uh, using technology to its benefit it uh, it started to digitize material 20 years ago and catalog most of it in a database. And so being able to do that really set a very good foundation for where we are today, where most of the material we have is already digitized. It's really just a matter of uploading it onto a web platform for people to access it. And, you know, you would not be able to have a million photographs without a digital database. It's very convenient to be able to look up uh, what photos do we have about this location or in relation to this locomotive or whatever it might be. So telling the stories of, of people involved with railways from the past is probably easier than it's ever been because of the the technology that we've used over the last you know 20 years or so but i think there is a bit of work to do to catch up to the technology that is on offer today so we as i said we're trying to get that material online uh, there's a bit of work to go to get that platform working exactly how we want it to work and i think we need to do more in the social media space there's lots of people posting beautiful historical photos and information and it's material that we already have and you know we we should be more active in that space and then i think we can go beyond that because with uh, the advent of ai there is uh, simple things like colorizing historic photographs we could do more of that um, producing short form videos on railway subjects that we could do more of that on our tours we should be accessing this information using qr codes on tablets and those sorts of things and that might not appeal to all of our <laughs> old members but i think it's something that younger people in particular have come to expect and so we need to be making that transition so that we're giving them what they expect when they're interacting with anything whether it's a historical society or or a professional you know a company or or the modern railway uh, so that's certainly an area that we want to do more in but we need more volunteers who are capable of working in that space i think yeah beautiful is there any special message you want to give to our listeners well i think uh, firstly i'd say that you know if you're a professional engineer or professional working in the contemporary railway field don't dismiss history i think history can teach us a lot it, it's uh history is the is the trail of footprints that we leave behind from the present and so people can learn about what's been done before what's been tried before what people in their situation prior to them have achieved and uh and how they've managed to do it so there's a lot of learning that can come from history it doesn't have to be uh dry and um irrelevant i think there is a lot that we can learn from it so some of what we have is a really great testament to the skills and abilities of uh, people who built our railways and it's perhaps hard for some people to imagine that only 50 60 years ago um, the railway was more or less self-sufficient they made everything from pencils to locomotives and and a whole lot of things in between they built their own bridges and and erected them and 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 while you know sort of moved away from that model um 
there's certainly no doubt that the skills uh, were here and we had wonderful artisans and tradespeople who were able to uh, to do that achieve those sorts of things so the study of that i find really fascinating i think i think you know some of those skills have been lost and there are various reasons for that but it's really really interesting to go back and look at them and see some of the stories um, of these people but my message is uh, yeah don't dismiss it and uh, get involved and uh, you know I think we can continue to make something um, of this tremendous resource and uh, you know we need your skills to come and help us achieve that beautiful on this stage I would say that I would definitely volunteer myself and I would recommend our listeners also to join your society Australian Historical Society and James I should say that this This is one of a very special episode of mine. As you said, most of my episodes are very contemporary, but this one is really special. Talking about something, a unique subject, talking about something we have to speak quite often. And I should say that you and your team are doing an amazing job. Uh, Congratulations on that and keep it doing. And uh, hopefully I'll see you one day. Well, thank you, Raman. I have to say that uh, I was attracted to your podcast because we're also trying to interview some people from past who are who are still with us and have a great story to tell uh, on their railway experiences. So you're doing a wonderful thing in interviewing people who have contemporary railway experience because one uh, that will be important to keep in the historical record. So so thank you for doing what you're doing. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure um, we'll have some more opportunity for collaboration in future. Sure. Thank you, James. Thank you, Raman. I believe everyone listening to this podcast has got something to take away from today's discussion. If you like this podcast, please listen, follow and share this podcast within your network. If you believe we should be sharing your story or someone within your network, there is a railway leader who should be here sharing his or her contribution to this industry. Contact me on Railway Transportation Systems at gmail.com. Thank you for your time today. See you next fortnight. Until then, stay safe and take care of yourself.